0: live from the Amtrak station in las vegas new mexico a mere 692 miles from las vegas nevada and brought to you by the tsa if you had an ipad chances are we do now i'm delmon and i'm Malicious, and this is eq2 talk This is episode number 53, and we are recording on October 13th, 2012. And Allie, why don't we still have the music?
1: I was busy grading papers.
0: Do you grade on a curve? Did everybody get an A? <laughs> everybody got an A. Tell me I at least passed.
1: You didn't get to, you didn't take the exam. Oh. You, you were sleeping.
0: <laughs> oh. Is that like one of high school students' worst nightmares, sleeping through the SAT? Right. right. All right. Well, speaking of sleep, sleeping through stuff, Ellie, uh, I think it's time for us to announce the winners of the Dell and Allie episode number 50 contests.
1: Yeah, that's uh, kind of the papers I was grading was from the Alley
0: Contest. All right. So then should we pick the winner of the Alley Contest and announce it?
1: Yeah. Well, the winner was we had a very clear winner. Okay. There was only one person who got uh, the most correct answers, uh, and that was Monkey Boy.
0: Very good. How did Monkey Boy do? Did he get them all? or
1: He got almost all of them. He missed one, but that was the same one that everybody else missed as well. Okay. Uh, and actually, I kind of wanted to give people the answer to that since nobody got it. It was the uh, theme song for episode 27. It was Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. For oh. some reason, everybody had a hard time with that one.
0: I'm Robin Leach, and this is Lifestyles of the Delmon and Famous.
1: And the other one uh, I thought was kind of an interesting uh, commonality and worth, worthy of mention was episode six. Everybody correctly identified. Uh, Del Shannon's "Runaway," but it was also the theme song for the show Crime Story, if you remember that one, starring the fabulous Dennis Farina.
0: I don't honestly really remember that show myself. I think that was one of your selections. Oh,
1: we are from different generations. That so. is true. <laughs> uh, I did also want to give special recognition to a couple of people. First, to Pinge Finches for... Not only knowing the whereabouts of Episode 8, but also for recognizing the theme song from Episode 22 was a cover by the Ramones. It's a Spider-Man cover.
0: Oh, yes, yes, I remember that song.
1: And another special appreciation for Uber Fuzzy, who had the most organized submission. There's something very satisfying about a Matrix, I think. And if Ellie and Uber Fuzzy ever met, I think we'd get along really well.
0: Uh, yes, he did have, if I remember correctly, one of the more elaborate entries <laughs> with cross-referencing and color coding. Yeah, it was it was a thing of alley beauty.
1: It was. I really appreciated it.
0: All right. So uh let's uh turn our attention to the Delmon contest, the exciting Delmon contest.
1: <laughs> the more fabulous, the, the more spectacular. fabulous,
0: yes, even more lifestyle and more rich and more famous, of course. uh we had a lot of entries in that one, and there were a lot of uh, correct entries. So, uh, Ali, in order to determine the winner for that one, what I have done is taken all the entries and I have stuffed them here into my swag bag.
1: Okay. So I'm going
0: to reach down. I'm going to swag them that, around. Is that what they're calling it now? Well, that's what I'm calling it this time. Yes, yes, swagging. <laughs> so let me swag it around here a little to the left, a little to the right, swag up, swag down. And the winner of the uh, fabulous Delmon contest is, uh, well, this person actually did not uh, give a character name. Uh, We have a real name here, so let's call this person uh, L. We'll call this person L. Uh, Congratulations to L uh, for winning the Delmon contest. We'll be in touch. Uh, We don't want to use the real name, and just in case, uh, you know, for uh, top secret confidentiality purposes.
1: La, 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 light bulb. Lima. Linoleum. Lover. (laughs) I'm I'm doing, I'm doing burnt and Ernie. What are you doing?
0: I don't know what I'm doing.
1: (laughs) Sound dirty.
0: Most likely. Yes. How is that different from any other podcast? All right. So uh, congratulations to L and to uh, monkey boy. Uh, we'll be in contact, and you will be receiving uh, your million dollars in station yeah, cash. a million dollars. All right, uh, let's, uh, let's get on to emails.
1: That sounds like a good idea.
0: Okay. Uh, I think I'm up first? Yeah. Okay, so uh, this email here is entitled uh, Shell Game Episode 52. I really enjoyed your last episode and agree with most of your points on the new Goblin Games but I really think you missed something that struck me right away. One of the items you can buy with the Goblin Gold currency is not in the regular marketplace. It is called the Giggle Gibber Gear Gimlet, And this, my friends, is the second big carrot being dangled, the first being the very rare Lion Mount. It is an item on a tuner and can be very valuable to people with alts. It's 32 Goblin Gold, which translates into 16 tickets or $16 to buy this item. So it's kind of a sneaky way to put in a way for anyone who spends enough cash to repurpose their older but valuable gear on their alts and or resell some gear on the broker, possibly, that's valuable but not heirloom. If they just put an item on a tuner on the marketplace, it certainly would result in negative feedback. Also, I see a comparison with The Legends of Norath. Wallon also has a real-game component that some people love, it's also pretty much a cash cow used to sell lottery tickets on a chance to win loot cards. By the way, there is also an item on a tuner lawn card that lots of people focus on getting with their free or paid packs. With Goblin Games, they can just keep adding new carrots and pulling us down that slippery slope and not require any kind of real gaming development that lawn requires, such as the art team. Anyhow, love the fantasy picks from 51, but I have to agree, Dumont has the slight edge here. I do like that you didn't stay all super safe with stuff and made some wilder choices. It's no fun to stay too safe. Keep up the great podcasts. I seem to spend an inordinate amount of time clicking the update podcast option in iTunes whenever I start it. Signed, Revik from Unrest. I'm just this rangy, you know. So, Allie, any comments on Revik's email here?
1: Yeah, I actually um, knew about the item on a tuner. I just forgot because... I guess I wouldn't probably use it uh, because I don't have alts. But I can imagine that it would be valuable for other people. Um, That's one of those things. I don't know. Because to me, it's kind of like the same. The end result is the same as selling loot rights. You know, you're getting something for something you didn't kill you're getting a reward for not doing the kill, but at least with an on a tuner, somebody on that account did do the kill. I don't know. It's double It's being used, reused. It's like handing things down to your odds. I guess I could see, you know, the value of selling things on the broker or whatever, but maybe I'm just not as nefarious as some people. It didn't really occur to me too much.
0: Uh, yeah. I had, uh... I had completely forgotten about that item as well myself. Uh, But I am pleased to see that he thinks I am also going to win at the uh, fantasy picks. I wonder what the over-under on me is winning now. I wonder if there's a Vegas line for that.
1: I don't think you're worth that much, Del, to be honest, because, you know, you didn't take any risks, really. I mean, you took a couple, but come on. People buying you beers at Fanfare,
0: please. And Even if they don't, I'll probably just lie to you and say that they did. You know me. (laughs)
1: Yeah, you're just full of lies. You're a pack of lies though.
0: So. Oh, I'm a pack of something.
1: <laughs> Our next email comes from Atan. And Atan writes, The Goblin game was just a contrived method of selling you item tuners without actually directly selling unattuners. You can't buy the unattuner on the marketplace for station cash, but you can buy enough tickets to get the Goblin gold to buy the unattuner. So you aren't buying an unattuner, You're earning the unattuner by playing goblin games. The games were just a way they could justify that they didn't sell game affecting items directly in the marketplace. Certainly, I've considered using my station cash bank balance to quote unquote purchase item unattuners to share more raid loot with my alts. When you look at free to play games in general, the highest earning marketplace items in general are the item unattuners. Granted, many of those games you can't sell the best items on the auction houses without buying the unattuner, but I wonder if that is the next step we'll see. Will unattuner start stripping the no-trade-slash-heirloom tags from raid gear? Think about how many goblin tickets they might sell if I unattune my raid gear and sell it on the broker for plat. Signed to Tan. So, Dell, we have another listener who is showing us the obvious, apparently. (laughs)
0: Uh, Yeah, I can't imagine the two of us swung and missed on uh, (laughs) item attuners. You know, and I I guess from my point of view, I I didn't really look at them or even remember them when we we were prepping for that discussion. Uh, Insofar as that, I would never want an unattuner because it has no value to me. Much like yourself, I don't have any alts either. So why would I want to unattune something to give it to another tune? Uh, that doesn't uh, appeal to me and, and, and as i thought about that i i thought even if i had right even if i had another alt uh, most likely they might have to be the same archetype right you know priest to priest you know tank to tank so, something like that is there even an item today that i would have to say oh my god if i had another priest or another healer oh my god i want to give this to them they have to have this uh no, there's no OMG item out there anymore, in my opinion, uh, that I'd want to do that with. Now, certainly you could give them your raid boots or something that you got, so you don't have to spend either DKP or whatever uh, loot system that you're in on them, uh, and and it saves you from uh, you know spending your 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 opportunity to to uh, use your raid points, whatever they might be, on something uh, and use them for something else. But I, I guess. I, I don't see anything, oh, my God, i got to get that. Uh, I'm not a big fan of SLR anyways. Uh, at, at this point in the game, it's my opinion that the no-trade tag is of no value, uh, that it almost should just be removed from the game. I mean, we have this whole LS, LSR system <laughs> that... Uh, SLR. That, that, did I do it again? Yeah. You said LSR. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've got it on the brain. <laughs> you, know, right. you know where I was going, though. But, uh, yeah, yeah we, have that, we have this functionality in-game today thanks to Persistence. Uh, right. And I wonder if back when persistence first started, if we really all thought out where this would take us eventually, which is just almost a hindrance because you've got now people standing around while we auction something off so that we can drop somebody from the raid, bring the new guy in, sell it to him and kick him out. You know, just take the tr- no trade uh, thing off. Let us put it on the broker and be done with it that way. Uh, you know, unattuning, I think, was, was put out there to uh, as a anti-twinking code or an anti-twinking methodology in the game. Uh, so that when it came to trade skill items, especially that you had to earn it on your own, you just couldn't buy one breastplate and just keep handing it off to every other tune from there on out. Uh, and I think that's why the attuned thing came to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it seems their attitudes have changed. Times have changed. So why, why offer this? You know, in my opinion, okay, they, they want to have it so that they can sell it. Duh, Del, we want to make money. This is a great way to make money. It's almost like the right to repair bill, Right. Uh, the right to unattune bill. You know, mm. should you be able to unattune? Uh, why not just remove it all? Well, then they can't sell attuner, unattuners. Well, okay, there you go. Uh, to me, I guess I, I look at it as I have nothing I would want to unattune because I have A, no one to give it to, and B, I think none of this stuff is worthy of unattuning. So certainly I wouldn't spend, uh, who has it said, $16 here to purchase one. Nothing to me in game is worth $16. I don't care how well it sparkles.
1: Well, but I guess playing devil's advocate there's there are people in the game who have multiple alts who actually raid with those multiple alts or maybe uh maybe a templar today gets cajoled into uh betraying to an inquisitor
0: (gasps) blasphemy ali blasphemy
1: and maybe you know rather than having to re-gear well, I guess you wouldn't really have to re gear, would you? Well, maybe you roll an Inquisitor alt.
0: Sure, sure.
1: And then every time Delmon replaces a piece of gear, he could hand his leftovers or hand me downs to the Inquisitor, you know, that's marginally below that gear is marginally below what you just looted on a tune it. And then you could have a fully geared Inquisitor if you just throw enough bills
0: at it. Right. And, and certainly, you're right. There are people out there who are in that uh, position. I am not, and that's probably why I didn't even think of the unattuner. Yeah. Uh, but it, it kind of comes back to the argument that was said in the past is that fun? Well, no. I, I'm just, I'm twinking. You, you know, that used to be such an evil term back in the EverQuest days. <gasps> you're a twink. Shame on you, a type of thing. And you're doing that now today with this unattuning. I, I guess maybe our, our attitudes have changed over time towards that sort of stuff. So you could, but I would say, well, then that's not fun. If you're just buying all your loot, you're not really earning it. Is there the fun of that? Well, maybe for some people there is. For me yeah. personally, there isn't.
1: Well, I mean, I think the the idea is the same. It doesn't really matter what they're putting on those goblin games. It's a farce. The goblin games are not games.
0: Well, uh, there, uh, There's
1: no point in having them. It's trickery for no reason. Because we can see through the trickery. It's very obvious. Why bother with the games? They're not games. They're not fun to anyone, to anyone at all. They are just annoying and in the way. And why don't you just take off the mask and put the unattuner on the marketplace and stop namby-pambying around?
0: Uh, absolutely. Uh, it is a way to, uh, in my opinion, maybe launder one currency into another.
1: But it's not tricking anybody. No,
0: it's, it's a, it's a, there's a cheesecloth curtain there.
1: It's not like, even.
0: It's, you can see right through it. I mean, I mean it's, it's so. His emailer certainly did and maybe, maybe I did More so, so it was, than we did. But, yeah, exactly, I mean, exactly. The, but the point
1: being that the games are a farce and it's an insult to our intelligence to pretend to be not selling things that affect gameplay when you're, in fact, selling things that affect gameplay. You're not tricking anyone. Everybody knows how to game the system. Just take out these stupid games. They're an insult to our intelligence.
0: Well, I'm not going to say that they didn't trick uh, nobody. They kind of fooled me a little bit. I guess maybe because I didn't really sit down and maybe because my ignorance of I don't even want to deal with that made me not kind of try to look through that cheesecloth. Uh, So, yeah, okay, they may have duped me a little bit because I really didn't investigate it, but it certainly didn't take most players, as you suggest, uh, too much effort to figure out what's really going on here and, you know, and put that in emails to us and pointed it out. It's really to, to get that on a tuner back out there, uh, the, the sparkly pony on a tuner type of thing. $16. Again, I don't see 60, anything in game worth $16. I didn't see any mount worth 25 when the game company started putting that out there either. Uh, maybe that's just me being the, the cheap son of a gun that I am. But that's a lot of money for a piece of virtual property to move it around. To me, if I could get that breastplate today, I could probably get it for an alt if I really wanted it that bad without investing $16 into it. Mm-hmm. Real dollars. Maybe i got to farm some platinum, and just wait for some guild to be selling it in the game because that's where a lot of this stuff is coming from. I just don't see putting real-world money on virtual items like that. For me,
1: Right. And I think some people do. Some people like the mounts and would would spend the station cash because, you know, with all the discounts and specials and doubles and triple weekends and all that, you lose track of how much money you've actually spent on station cash. So, you know, it's less than market value. Right. Right. You spent less than market value. So, you know, even if that mount is twenty five hundred station cash. You're not really spending twenty five dollars you feel like you maybe are spending seven fifty
0: right right
1: you know what I mean absolutely so you know and I don't know the mounts and the i don't know some of those things i mean I've bought jiggly things because they make me happy, and you know are they bigger than the average backpack? Uh, I think there are – I have a bunch of backpacks that have jiggly parts, but I bought them for the jiggly parts, not for the size.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what? A, a Delmon, both in game and in real life, uh, I am a firm believer in spend your money on what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. To be, to me, this just doesn't make me happy, so I chose, choose not to spend my money on it. Right. Now, if you put a plate of brownies in front of me, damn right <laughs> I'd pay for that and I'd eat it all right up. Yeah.
1: Speaking of jiggly backpacks, it, I, I'll say it's worth it to me. It was worth it to me to pay for my little jiggly backpack with the sausages on it just to see my uh, doppelganger spawn in the raid the other night in Sleeper's Tomb and be yep. able to see my gigantic jiggly backpack with sausages. this is
0: really swigging around. <laughs> awesome. sa- Ellie tossing her sausages everywhere.
1: That was fun. I like that. That was worth every, every dime, every penny, every copper.
0: Okay, our next email is entitled, Show Feed Back. You're so literal. Hi there, guys. Love the show. Thanks for taking the time to do this, and congrats on 50 episodes. My biggest bugbear at the moment is the selling of loot rights. This really has taken the emphasis off grouping to get your gear and pushed plat to the fore, a.k.a. pay to win. The market for station cash is huge, largely in part because those station cash codes can be sold for plat, and then with plat you can buy your gear. I saw an auction go up to about 3k plat the other day. It's always the same select few selling loot rights. I play in the odd hours, and it always seems like groups are scarce, because why would people bother grouping to get that awesome gear they want when they can just pay for it? I've tried on countless occasions to make groups. I'm a tank. You'd think that would not be so hard, but getting all the classes together can nearly prove impossible, especially in my time zone. It just seems that Station Cash and plat is more important to a lot of people these days rather than playing the game. So I'm trying out Vanguard. I like SOE and the games they have, I just think EQ2 has become too cash-slash-plat-focused and less game-focused. If I could make a couple of recommendations, I'd do the following. First, remove the ability to sell loot rights. If you are not there to kill the mob, then you can't get the loot. Secondly, remove plat runs like PR. The plat in the chest should scale with how many players are there at the kill. For example, a mob in PR that drops 20 plat for a 24-man raid should only drop 83 gold if just one person kills it. Those couple of things might serve to even out the economy. However, then people would have less reason to buy station cash cards, so if I'm cynical, I really don't see that happening. Still love the game for what it should be, just frustrated at what it's become. Signed, Karagel from Antonia Bale. So, Allie, any comments on what Karagel writes about here?
1: I see that, too, and I think it's you have to sort of step back from your own gameplay. Like, for me i'm I'm playing the game, I'm really enjoying playing the game, um but I'm in a guild where we are actively raiding It's all about gameplay. station Cash and Platt doesn't really come into play other than I need Platt to buy wood to make arrows and uh poisons and you know all that other stuff in order to play the game. but to take a step back from that and sort of look at the bigger picture of what other people are experiencing. Uh, If you're having a hard time getting a group as a tank or a healer for that matter, there's a problem. (laughs) There's a problem. You can't get a group because people would just rather buy their gear. I think that's really scary, especially on Antonia Bale, which is like really populated.
0: Doesn't that kind of scare you a little? Uh, it, It certainly does. And I think we've heard this type of argument for quite some time. Why group to get my gear when I can just buy it during the next auction?
1: Right, and I mean, I I don't know what it's like out there anymore. I feel you know I've been married for so long to a guild, to you know, well, I've had multiple guilds, but at this point, but you know what I mean? Like you don't know what it's like out there anymore. You don't know what it's like to date uh, a p- pug, or you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, so. I think that's terrifying if people can't get groups because most people are soloing or, you know, soloing and like buying loot rights. That's really scary. Uh, uh, The idea of selling loot rights, getting rid of that ability. um, While I think that would be a good move, I don't know that it would solve any problems at this stage of the game. The, The horses already left the barn kind of. Same thing with the plat runs. While I can see the value in that in terms of long term changing the economy, so many people have amassed so much plat at this point. <laughs> it wouldn't it would just cut them off is all.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh listen, would I be would I be upset if uh Protector's Realm and Shard of Hate disappeared tomorrow? Absolutely not. I, I do think they are damaging the game a little bit because you know how many people looking for one other person to do this—a fighter and a healer, or a DPS and a healer, or something—to mm-hmm. turn and burn those zones for what—the sole purpose of making as much plaid as, as quickly as possible. You know, the path of least resistance. You got to applaud players for doing that. Uh, over time, PR—you know—is is the poster child for that sort of thing. You know, as soon as people figured out they could do it with six, then they started doing it with five, and then they could do it with three, and now they're down to two. Now they're down to some, maybe this healers out there who can do it themselves. Uh, people are rolling free-to-play accounts, leveling a healer to level whatever it is they get revived at, it, like eight or something, so that they can click on that button to res the healer and that to get the script going. That's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're creating multiple ones so they can race through all their tunes uh, and, and not lock them and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I agree with, the, with his comment that the, there should be a, you kill it, you can loot it. Uh, I, I don't like SLR, uh, and, I, and I agree. If you weren't in on the kill, then you shouldn't have loot rights to that chest. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand the people who will say, yeah, but that will keep you know, the people who are sitting on the bench uh, who couldn't make it to the raid that night from getting in, uh, mm-hmm. be it even they're a member of that guild or raiding alliance or whatever. Well, you know what? I, I'm going to draw the hard line and say kind of tough cookies.
1: Right, I agree.
0: You know, if you weren't there, how do we know that they were going to win with you?
1: I agree, and also um, but I don't think it's going to happen
0: oh i't I don't, I don't think I just, it's going to happen either I'm just saying i don't like it, but it is what it is yeah I, I
1: would have absolutely no problem whatsoever with them just you know if you don't get if you don't get the kill, you don't get the loot you can't physically if they put a barrier in somehow i don 't know how the mechanics would work i I would have no problem with that whatsoever, uh, but at this point. There's so much, it's been years and years and years, there's been so much passing around of loot that people didn't earn, and people have this expectation of these things, I just think you'd probably kill the game.
0: I, I, I won't go so far as to say kill it, but it is ingrained in EQ2 culture, and as you said earlier, you know, the horses left the barn on this sort of stuff, and, it, and it's a vicious cycle. You have things like PR and SH where you can get endless endless amounts of plat, you can sit around waiting for the auction channel, you know, to purchase uh, either raid or heroic loot. And I think the the other piece that goes into this is that uh, the guaranteed loot drops when you go into instances. Um, how often is every mob? You know, every mob and everything that it's on its loot table, and it, you know it's going to drop a, a ornate every time to mm-hmm. the point where ornate it's ornate crap, right? right. Legendary <laughs> is now tantamount to junk. If it's left fabled, <laughs> right. it's you know it goes back to the old trade skilling thing too. Remember, if it wasn't pristine, it was junk.
1: Right, 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 you know? right. Legendary so the, is now uh, vendor fodder. Exactly <laughs> M- NPC vendor. There fodder.
0: is one one level, right? It's master <laughs> and fabled. And nothing above it or right. below, excuse me, nothing below it. You know, I think they try to entice people into running the drunder zones, right, by adding those neck pieces. Uh, And that did promote people going back in to run them to try to get those because the the mobs were rare, and then on top of that, they didn't always drop it. So people did keep running Drunder for a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'll tell you, I run Sleeper's Tomb now, and granted, as you said, we're in a raid guild. There's only one, well, two things in Sleeper's Tomb I want. I want shinies, and I want that mount at the end, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, once I get my mount, much like I did in Dozicar, the first time I ever went in there, uh, Under Depths became, well, I'll just go for Shinies, right? Uh, yeah. th- there's nothing of value in there anymore uh, because those things drop every time, not necessarily the mounts I wish they would because then I'd get one but uh, that's the only reason to keep going back, there's, the carrots are very small because of this guaranteed loot system why do you think we get burned out on raiding underdepths and Sleeper's Tomb so much it's because the same stuff drops every time, all the time you know, back in the DOF days, my God, you could get a treasure chest to drop off a raid mob. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's guaranteed exquisite. If it's X and above, it's guaranteed exquisite, right? Mm-hmm. So the incentive to replay stuff goes way down because of our instant gratification, the fact that we can sell that, and the fact that we have a proliferation of gold and plaque coming into the game constantly. Uh, there's like a fire hose of it coming out of Sabellus. Uh, Sorry, I'm getting a little fired up there. No, you're, I am fine, passionate you're about, fine. I am passionate about this. But I, I, I 101% agree with your comment. It's too late now. This yeah. horse has left the barn. It is what it is. And if, if the next expansion, they were to come along and drop the hammer and change this. They're not going to. They're not going to. But if, if they did, let's just say if. There would be pitchforks and torches and a mob heading down the road to SOE's home eh,
1: office. Eh, I, I think you just end up losing people. You just lose people. I, uh, I, I don't think anybody cares anymore. I think people are just like, whatever. The torches and pitchforks are in the closet with last year's Halloween costume. Uh, I think people don't care anymore. The people who get angry quit playing. Uh,
0: you're, you're probably right there because you know what? There's a lot of options out there. And if I don't well, like this one, I can go, I, or I can go somewhere else. Absolutely.
1: Karargo's playing Vanguard. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I I, I think it's really disappointing and sad. You know, the game is about Platt. The game is about Station Cash. He's right. It's really sad. And I think you have to almost put blinders on and close your eyes and just, if you're still playing, just stay where you're at. I don't know. I'm just, I'm so disappointed. This, This not being able to get a group thing really bothers me. I mean, I'm not out there, like I said, but... It just—it really bothers me that people can't get groups because everybody's soloing. This is not a console game. Well,
0: we we talked about they made this. it one. We, well, we talked about this at length too, and I I think I think the the roosters come home to roost. Who comes home to roost? I don't Maybe. know. The pigeon. Okay. What a, it, it has come back to bite them a little bit. They made heroic instances so heavily scripted. We've talked about this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh that you have to kind of understand the encounter. And I think that spooks a lot of people from taking the pug route. Mm-hmm. You know, Because they're afraid of being that guy. Uh, why did Dungeon, Dungeon Finder fail? I think because too many people didn't want to be exposed as the, I don't know what I'm doing, or I'm going to get put in a group with five other people who are going to say, well, you're crit chance, you're crit met, Remember all those things. These, mm-hmm. these, these, you have to be this tall to run this encounter. Right. Uh, things were out there along with heavily scripted encounters that you had to know do i stand close to the mob do i just away from the mob do i click the totem or do i click the drum uh am i do i cure that or don't cure that there's all these things going on and you kind of have to have a phd in eq2 a little bit to keep up with it all at times maybe i'm exaggerating of course but uh there are heavily scripted encounters even something as new as sleeper's tomb don't hit the mob hit the mob you know, take care of these ads. Don't take care of the ads. You know, so all this stuff is going on, uh, and people don't have the wherewithal to do all that, I think, and don't want to run that risk of getting into a pug and winding up on the uh, These Toons suck list.
1: Yeah. Uh, I I I feel like I'm only playing part of the game because I really only raid and solo for the most part. I mean, I only group once a week, and it's totally low content. So I don't really know what the pug life is like. But I know a lot of people, I think uh, you might be surprised how many people actually pug and pug regularly. We don't do it. Uh,
0: I, I, I have tried it, and I, and I do try it. Uh, but it's hard because, again, some of these encounters, too, you, you do need, you need regen. You need heals, or you might yeah. need two healers. Uh, people only and A lot of times I think you get spooked in level channel when they see uh, Running Sleeper's Tomb Challenge Mode and Selling Charms. Right. Yeah. Why would I want to? If I still need that, I don't want to get in that group. They're already announcing that they're going to sell it on me. Right. You know. Well, because there
1: are enough people who have all that stuff. See, I think the people who pug regularly, it's like when you do battlegrounds. Right. You learn as you go. If you do it enough times, you learn how to do it right. So there is a right way to pug. Also, you know what I mean, or a successful way. And I think there are a lot of people who successfully pug, and. I mean, I remember the days – I don't remember when it was, but they used to – there used to be some uber special item out of um, Guck, one of the Gucks that okay. they would sell. It was like, oh, we're selling whatever, and they would announce it when they're getting the pug together because they don't – you know, they want to sell that item yep. because they want to make the plat. Yep. Right? And – if I, I think it's better to announce it up front than to, you know, hide that fact and well, then discuss it later,
0: you know. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. I just think SOE has maybe not helped us succeed a little bit by making the the entrance barrier to some of this heroic content too difficult. And I, I don't mean too – well, maybe I mean too hard. Too
1: complicated? But too
0: complicated, yes. But, they, uh, they need but to look they, back at that a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think they've all – they've been – not helping us for a long time because they've kind of stopped playing.
0: Perhaps. Perhaps. So maybe if they were in channel at night and saw what goes on, maybe they'd have an appreciation for what goes on a little bit more.
1: I, and I'm, I'm making we're, – we're making sweeping generalizations as we often do.
0: Absolutely. That's what we're best at.
1: But uh, I think that you couldn't possibly – if you're playing the game – Continue down the path that Ikitu is on in many ways because it, it would just be too, you'd see the, it would be an obvious wrong direction. But what do we know? We're just players who've been here since day one. So,
0: absolutely. So let's go to our next email.
1: Okay. Not to be too negative. All right. Next email is from a new listener. His subject line says so Dear Ally and Del, Since I'm starting at Podcast One and now on 39, about a week of listening so far, I hope that you continue not to create a specific theme music for the podcast. I enjoy the excuses and really enjoy the different classic themes being rotated in as it gives me something to look forward to each different podcast. Now for some questions. Number one. When I get to level 90 crafting and finish the final portion of the Gathering Obsession and get my Pack Pony... How many raws will he come back with? I know you don't get rares and you have no way to direct him or her to specific types of nodes. Number two, when can I get a trade skill apprentice? It would help when you're talking about some of the features or questions. If you could fill in the additional information we might want to know about the level, reward, quest, etc. Keep up the good work. You're both making it informative and something to look forward to with each release. Signed. Well, he gives us a whole slew of names, but we'll go with Monkey Boy. P.S. Allie Dakota, Corky, and Half Pint also say hi to your pups. We had a little discussion about our dogs in, in channel a few nights ago. Okay. <laughs> our dogs are friends.
0: <laughs> Sounds like role play.
1: <laughs> Maybe. So, Del, uh can you answer these questions? Do you have an answer? Uh,
0: I, I certainly can take a shot at them. Uh, in terms of Pack Pony, uh, I have to be honest. I, I don't know exactly uh, how many ROs he does come back with. Uh, I think it's a random amount uh, because the times I see I get, sometimes I'll get more wood or more uh, rocks or more uh, roots. Uh, so I'm not really sure. I think it's a random number. Um, that's my best guess. It. it I don't know. I think I see anywhere from 10 to 30 sometimes maybe.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's a specific uh, I don't th- I don't think it's a random number per se as I think it simulates x number of pulls from x number of nodes. Okay. So in in other words, when you're when you're harvesting, when you get, you know, you get so many pulls on a node, right? Yep. And it it gives you one 3 five, or sometimes ten. Correct. Right? So I think Pack Pony also has to roll the dice as well. So that's why it seems random. Okay. But I think it's random within a certain number of pulls. What is the X number of pulls? I don't know.
0: Oh, okay.
1: How about the Trade Skill Apprentice question?
0: Uh, yes, I believe the first Trade Skill Apprentice shows up in Age of Discovery, and I think you need to be a level uh, 10 trade skiller. I think you get an email in game at that point uh, directing you to go to your trade skill shop in your home city where you can pick one up there.
1: So SOE lives just around the corner, right, Del? Uh,
0: yes, it is. It is next weekend at the beautiful and luxurious valleys of Las Vegas, Nevada.
1: Not New Mexico?
0: Not New Mexico, No. Although, interestingly enough, there is a Las Vegas, New Mexico. Uh, but I'm going to be there and looking forward to having a really good time getting to see a lot of folks and getting a chance to attend some of the panels. Uh, and if folks are interested, I'm going to be doing some tweeting uh, while I'm there. So if they want to follow me, they can do so over there on the Twitter, at DelmonEQ2. And, and as I said, uh, things that I see and we'll talk about things that we hear about, um, put, put those out on Twitter so folks can follow for that.
1: Yeah, you're a big tweeter. I've
0: noticed. I've been having some fun with it. Yes, absolutely. And is there a special hashtag for SOE Live? Uh, I think there is. And I think what they're using is pound SOE Live. And I will try to keep those in my tweets uh, so that they do get uh, filtered correctly.
1: I I don't really know that much about Twitter. Do you have to be uh, friends with people to see even if they use the hashtag? Or can you just search for the hashtag?
0: Uh, No, I think you can search for just a hashtag, yeah. And see even people who aren't your friends. Uh, Who people you aren't following, right. Yeah, following, sorry. You're not friends on Twitter. That's correct.
1: You're just a stalker.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and hey, if you're there and you are stalking Delmon, uh, stop by on uh, Saturday morning at 10 a.m. in the room Palace Number 1, where uh, the podcast panel is going to be. And I'm going to be on that uh, with a couple of members from the SOE podcast and someone from uh, DCUO as well. Cool. So a little bit of kind of the behind the scenes and how we do the voodoo that we do on podcasting.
1: And I'm going to try to be listening in on Dell's cell phone.
0: Uh yeah, we'll put you on speakerphone and see if you can listen into it.
1: So as I said you're big on the Twitter and you follow a lot of people and among them I believe is Smoke Jumper and you you mentioned to me uh he had an interesting tweet not too long ago, didn't
0: he? Uh yeah, he did. He posed a a question. Uh, out on Twitter, and what he said was, what do you want to hear about at this year's SOE Live panels for EQ and EQ22? Uh, and, I th- and I thought that was a really interesting question, and I thought, what do I want to hear about? And I thought we could maybe talk about that a little bit, Allie. Uh, and one of the things I think I want to hear this year uh, uh, coming out of SOE Live is something that we heard a year ago. We heard that uh, they're players, too. Mm, yeah, and I think you know we talked about it uh, throughout the course of the year. That I, over time, I've I've begun to believe that uh, a little less and a little less. Uh, I'm hoping that when we you know get back together this year at Fanfare, uh, hopefully I get that message and I and I walk away from it feeling yes, they are players because as I said, I, I because I see things in game that make me wonder if they are if they're really playing along with us or they're just making stuff for us. Uh, and I think uh, as a developer, you might lose perspective unless you're really playing the game as a player plays it. Uh, I, I think you need that. What goes on in the chair in front of the monitor while you're playing? You know Some of the things we were talking about earlier. Uh, so I'm hoping you know, when I'm chatting with folks, uh, I, I get that sense that they really are because I, I want them to be. I want to believe that they are because I think when, when you are, you do produce a really good game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wonder how how much time they really have to be able to, to play at the level that we play or that a lot of a lot of players play. Um, but I think it's important for them to, like you said, see things from our chair, kind of. Um, and I think you are right. I think it w- makes for a better game for everybody.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, th- isn't there the old adage you walk a ma- walk a mile in another man's shoes? Hmm. Uh, And I think, you know, by doing that, you really get an appreciation for their point of view. Mm -hmm.
1: No, I was just going to say, I wonder, I, I, I remember hearing that, too. We're players, too. And, you know, the message is really great. And it feels really good when you hear that. And it gives you a real hope for the future. But... I've become extremely skeptical of everything that I hear from them because a lot of the language is very flowery and wonderful and you know touchy-feely and warm and fuzzy. But how much of that really becomes reality?
0: Uh, you're right. You're right. I, I think we do hear a lot of what I like to call management speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the buzzwords uh, and th- and that kind of actually uh, hinges on a- on another thing i am hoping to you know come away with from from s o e live this year is you know I want to hear answers you know mm. when when people step up to the microphone and ask a question uh, I-, I I guess I want to hear an answer I don't want to hear we'll look into that when we get back to the office, and we hear that a lot when you're sitting in the audience, you hear that a lot, and one it makes you think, do they really know what they're working on? Or, you know, maybe it is a very technical question. They do have to research it or want to look at the code or something, which is obviously not in front of them. But they never seem to get back to us. They always say, we'll look into that. But whatever becomes of that? So and sometimes I start to think, is that just a, an answer? Is that the it is what it is type answer? Mm-hmm. So it kind of, well, we'll look into that. Don't worry about it. But you'll never get back to me. How are you going to follow up uh, with the players? You know, either three or forums. You know, maybe it would be nice to say, "Here are the questions that we were asked that we didn't know the answer to, but we went back and we looked, and now here is the answer." Mm-hmm. You know, Uh, and furthermore, if the answer is no, I, I kind of do want to hear no, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I- I'm a- I'm a big boy, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, if I, you know, if I want this in game, and you say no. I want to be told no. Just don't tell me. Well, we'll look into that. When you have absolutely no intentions of doing it or it's not on your scope or it's not on your radar, say no. Now, I, I do understand the never say never because you never know what's going to come along later. You know, mm-hmm. Maybe they do do this something somewhere down the road. But if it's not on the plans today and it's not on a schedule today and you, you don't have any intentions, say we're not planning on doing that
1: and maybe you could say why like if it's a you know we can't do that because of a technical reason mm-hmm. you know uh there there's a mechanical reason why we can't make this happen or there is a there is a, a a reason behind the way things are and we can't do this because x you know let us know what that is and and it would help us understand as players what kind of questions to be asking or what kind of things to be asking for and what to not be asking for kind of
0: uh yeah certainly because you know i can only imagine what it's like to be up there on the podium you know you never know what the next question is going to be
1: yeah
0: i mean i gotta give them credit they really kind of do put themselves out there Mm -hmm. uh and let's be honest i've heard some wild questions at fanfare (laughs) some that have made me even roll my eyes yes uh and you know i i can understand you you can't insult your player base or in right. your customers you right but you know just be honest with us if if it's not going to happen say no that's that's not going to happen right yeah. uh and then we'll move on i think when you when they they tease us or toy with us or or they don't want to say we won't say no so we'll say maybe yeah well, they said maybe that means much like little kids that means we're going to disney right right right, right. <laughs> you know uh so be honest be upfront. And, and have those answers. And if you don't know the answer, when you say we'll get back to you, mean it. Get back to me. And I don't know how to yet, but you got to get back to us because I think then you're just fluffing us off, you know, blowing us off with a with a with a token type response.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I I, I think they used to kind of get back to us a little bit way back in the day. Um, we used to get some kind of post fanfare rundown of things that were asked for that they could deliver on Mm -hmm. bug fixes and things like that those were really satisfying uh to see you know player requests or ideas or thoughts or lists of bugs or whatever getting addressed but i do agree with the say no if the answer is really no
0: you know because there's always
1: going to be a in there (laughs) live blogging about
0: it absolutely what what you said will be on wire
1: Instantaneously. <laughs>
0: instantaneously and you know you hit on something there that I'll tell you I really do enjoy I, I honestly do enjoy this part about fanfare is you know when we come back you know those few weeks after those patches, those hot fixes that we see after fanfare where they highlight you know a section called Player Feedback from Fanfare and it lists those changes uh, because I think it really it really creates that like, that 360 type of feedback circle you know we gave feedback they reviewed it and then they implemented it and it you know it really makes me feel like i'm part of the process as a player now maybe mm-hmm. that wasn't my suggestion but i know that other players people like me who are sitting at home playing have a, have an effect and we we can get changes and get things that we want and, and i think that's awesome and especially when they highlight them it even motivates us as players more to want to participate even more
1: mm-hmm.
0: i i enjoy that immensely
1: I do, too. And I and I uh, actually that's one of the things that kind of ties in a little bit with one of
0: the things on my list.
1: You know, you're talking about players having an impact. One of the things that they're doing new this year are the player panels. Yes. Yes. Live, And uh, I can't wait to hear how those went. I think it's a great idea to involve players. I'm surprised it's taken so long for them to do those. Uh, but now that they're here, I'd really love to see what comes out of them. I saw a couple of the um, the the names of the panels, and they sound really interesting.
0: Uh, absolutely. I've been putting player panels on feedback every year for the last couple of years, and I'm very excited to, as well to see that this year. Uh, because, again, it it incorporates the players uh, into the organization a little bit and lets them be active participants. Mm-hmm. Uh, And I think, you know, there's so much you can go to panels and ask about the games, the mechanics, the trade skilling, the lore, right? But now you're going to get to see your fellow players talking about things. And I'm Mm -hmm. very excited for that. Because again, it's a different perspective, Mm -hmm. right? Now certainly they're not going to be talking about bug fixes and that sort of stuff, but they're going to be talking about the same things that I deal with and, and that I play with and those sort of things. So uh, I, I think these are going to be a huge success. I hope they are a huge success because I hope they they come back next year as well if they are such a great success.
1: The only thing I worry about is them being up against other, you know, some of the big, uh, the big panels uh, on the different tracks, you know, e 2 yeah. or whatever. Um, have you? plan out your schedule? Do you know how many of those player panels you're going to be able to go to other than, of course, the podcast one that you're on?
0: Thank you for the plug. Yes. Uh, (laughs) uh, You know, I really haven't. uh, There's one on running a a successful fan site I'm really interested in. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's one on making data sexy. Uh appeals mm-hmm. to my IT background a little yes. bit. Uh, there's one on uh, being run by some guys who do some pl- uh, military gamers.
1: That I, looked really interesting to me. It, it did
0: as well. Yeah. Now, there's one on how to raid or play in, in DCUO. Um, not sure if I really can appreciate that one as much. But certainly there's some – and you're right. It, the trouble with fanfare is there's so much compacted into such a, a small, tight schedule space. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes things go head-to-head and you have to pick which one. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of am playing it loosey-goosey a little bit. I, I, I looked over the schedule and said, "Okay, you know, here's kind of the EQ2 track that I'll probably go to a lot of stuff on, but where are the other ones that are going to come in? Uh, I like to make that decision kind of on the fly, how I'm, how I'm feeling that at that moment at the schedule.
1: Mm-hmm. you know, what
0: appeals to me at the most, because sometimes some of the stuff can be redundant in some of the, the specific like EQ2 track. So maybe then, okay, they're going to be talking almost about the same thing all over again. Uh, you know, maybe I will go to a player panel type of thing, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or uh, well, the, the other thing, service ones, yeah,
1: yeah. The other, the other thing I was going to say is uh, maybe the player panels will be a little bit smaller audience, which can be also more interesting at times because some of the big ones are they're just you know it's such a huge room. And there's so many people and so many questions from every possible angle that maybe only a percentage of it is, you know, really interesting to you specifically. Uh, but the player panels, you know, might be a little bit more intimate. So, you yeah, know, could, could be a little different vibe.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, as opposed to maybe necessarily a panel, it would be nice. And maybe they'll morph into this a little bit, like you say, if they are smaller. Kind of more of a birds of a feather type scenario.
1: Yeah, like a round table. Yeah, a round
0: thing. table where it's not just, you know, asking questions and people sitting up at the table answering them. Right. But more of a, a back and forth lively discussion as opposed to a and a for an hour type of thing. Yeah. And I enjoy those too. And uh, unfortunately, some of the EQ2 track ones become that Q&A type type thing. Mm-hmm. But I think – uh, when you have that uh, discussion format, that bird of a feather type feel, that back and forth, uh, I think you a lot of really good information that way as well. You, maybe not, you don't get the answer to why your Templar doesn't have taunt spells answered, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But they can talk about some of their decision-making process, and so You can kind of follow up and have a back and forth.
1: One of the things that I'd really love to hear about coming out of Fanfare, or as we live, is uh, I'd like to hear kind of the reasoning behind the publishing schedule. Uh, and, and, and what I mean by that is uh, when Sky Shrine came out, we get two levels and f- basically four zones. Uh, we now have five zones with the, the Sleeper's Tomb. Uh, and that's kind of replacing all the level 90 zones which there was a whole huge selection of zones to do but because we're getting two levels and because gameplay is driven by gear it's basically funneling everybody who's at that end game into a limited selection of zones you know what i mean
0: yeah 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 so
1: i kind of want to know what's the reasoning behind that what's the is there an overarching plan i mean is that really what they wanted to do Um, You know, we used to have DOV, the Kale zones, the Drunder zones. They're kind of obsolete in a way in terms of the instances. You know, it's, you know, you could say everything's a progression, I guess. You know, those things are still valid prior to level 92. Mm -hmm. But every time you come out with an expansion or a, a goose expansion even, you know, people just skip the rest of the progression, the previous progression, and move on to you know, the entry level of the new stuff is the same thing going to happen when the next expansion comes out, when we get three levels and how many zones are going to replace the five we have now, three or four more.
0: Uh, Yeah. It it would be interesting to understand what their thought process was, you know, before we had certainly, you know, everything moved in a, uh, say in a 10 level range. Uh, And the 10 levels, you know, so the higher of the previous kind of overlapped some of the lower of the next tier. Well, it seems now uh, once we got to 90 and we'll talk about itemization again, all of a sudden big chunks of the game changed. And there wasn't that overlap anymore. And we immediately switched into this new thing. Mm -hmm. And I think we saw the same thing kind of with the Goose Mansion where, you know, kind of hinting at is that um, it totally outclassed or totally deprecated everything you had done before, and now we're on this new system.
1: Right, and the same is true for raiding, really. You know, you abandon the previous zones, and you start going and doing the new stuff, and you basically have to ditch everything you've been working on up to this point. You know, it becomes irrelevant. And it's that transition that, as a player, feels really alienating somehow. You know, like yesterday's work was totally pointless because today is a new day, and all we're doing now is gearing up again.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a very disjointed feel between uh, the Goose Mansion and stuff before it. Are we going to see that, uh, and I'll call it disjointing again, with right. uh, Chains of Eternity?
1: Yeah, and I don't know. This three-level business, two levels. I mean, I understand they they, they don't want to do a whole nother ten levels, but... I don't know. It's, it's, maybe it's not really something they could talk about, but I, I'd really love to hear how the publishing schedule is determined. Okay. Um, and that, that sort of thing. What goes into making those decisions about how many levels to give? And do they think about these things? Do they think about the obsolescence of the previous zones for players? Or do they just figure, well, it's all progression because everybody's starting from one? Well, no, we're not starting from one. We're starting from end game, a, a lot of people. Right, right. <laughs> so I, I'm sure they have numbers of who's, who's where. But one of the other things that I, that I came up with of uh, wanting to hear about is kind of related. And that's about what goes into planning a major expansion. I know there are different aspects, different parts of the team. Different people do different things. But if you, like from my perspective, not knowing anything... Um how do they decide what continent to do, for example, for an expansion? How do they decide the storyline? How do they determine who's you know which ideas get into the the final product? How much back to the drawing board is being is is has to be done when new ideas get thrown in? you know how do they decide the zones and the quests and which comes first? you know gear mechanics. Uh, how are those things determined? How does trade scaling fit in, and all of that? How do all the parts fit together, and what goes? What which comes first, kind of? Just uh, yeah, kind of would yeah. be nice to hear about a, how those things come to be.
0: Yeah, kind of a documentary of of how a, how an expansion comes to be. What is the process, the flowchart, uh, and time timeline and milestones that go into it? I think that would be interesting. I think it kind of appeals to my always wanting to see behind the curtain. How does it work? Type of thing.
1: Yeah. And I I know there are a lot of people who are interested in the technical aspects, like how what's does the software look like to create a quest? Well, that doesn't appeal to everybody. Um maybe something more of like a bigger picture thing. How do how is the the production actually done? Absolutely. Kind of
0: Absolutely interesting. Yep. There they're kind of two tracks the technical side and the and the process and the business side of it as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And, and one of the things that I very much want to hear, and it, I think it's the most important of all the things I do want to walk away from as Live with, is that the team is focused on, again, what I've said is its core value, punching mobs in the face and taking their stuff. You know, we've talked about the goblin games and distractions and those sort of things. I, I guess I want to have a feel f- that that is important to, to them, the, the, the heroic content, the group content, the raid content, uh, the itemization, the store that it, that that is important to them, and not finding ways to sell me on a tuner item so that I don't see that it's an un- selling me in an on a tuner item. Yeah, that it's not what's new in station cash. You know that it's here's what's in game and here's why it's really fun to play. That's what's important to me how the, what, what the core game is what what the most important aspect to me is that that's what they're focusing on i got i don't care about station cash i don't care about goblin games you know and all those other things that go on outside talk about the game the fighting the 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 killing mobs and opening chests and getting really cool stuff and then using that stuff to kill the next thing and getting its cool stuff
1: it's funny it reminds me of um an old guild i was in Many moons ago, uh, our motto was killing shit and talking smack.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, and that's what I think, to me, that's what's important to the game. Mm-hmm. You know, making interesting content like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, zones that are fun to do, uh, that players want to do, that there is a, a balanced risk and reward for doing them. And I can see that, and I can see myself progress, and I can see myself be the hero. In the game that I want to be, not some guy standing around talking to goblins and top hats, you know, (laughs) uh, so I can ride around on a flying lion. Uh, While yes, flying lions look cool, they don't really affect gameplay, which is nice, uh, especially in seeing the way that they enter the game. But I want to focus on that stuff, that story, what the game started out to be. Day one, we had never heard of Station Cash. And, you know, would I maybe be happy if we never had? A little bit. But getting back to that mods and story and moving through the world of Norath and defeating bad guys and being a good guy and being the hero.
1: And then that should be at the center of the game. That should be at the core of what EQ2 is. And all the other stuff is kind of around that. Not, yes. central. Not, not central, not the focus. That yeah. they
0: should be investing effort on the central. Mm-hmm. And if that means we don't have time to do the other stuff, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. We didn't have time to implement Goblin Games because we were making a really lot of cool raid zones mm-hmm. and a lot of cool heroic zones. Uh, I think players <laughs> would be thrilled to hear that.
1: Oh, sure.
0: And not what's new on Station Cash on Wednesday mornings. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping to hear about. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of stuff we do get to hear about. And it's going to be very exciting. And, again, uh, follow folks on Twitter, and I'm sure there will be lots of stuff coming out. I, and I think the guys over at Wire are going to be there as well. So uh, for folks who can't make it, uh, if you follow them, I'm sure they're going to have blog posts.
1: And don't forget the podcast panel, Saturday 10 a.m.
0: Yes. Can't believe. First thing right after the pool party the night before.
1: Wow. Dell's going to be hungover.
0: I might still be in my Speedo. Oh, boy. Wouldn't that be a thrill, coming down in the bathrobe and Speedo? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yes, that panel will be intimate at that point, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's talk about our favorite least favorite for this episode. Sure. Okay, Allie, what's your least favorite?
1: Well, as you know, I'm not going to Fanfare again. I'm, I'm very sad not to be part of it. Okay. And uh, I think the worst part of... My least favorite thing is that there are going to be a lot of people that I raid with gone, so raiding is going to be lighter than usual, which probably means we're going to end up going to Sleepers' Tomb.
0: Well, you know, Allie, that warms me to think that I am so crucial to the raid that you will basically have to go back and run like icy keep retribution because I'm there.
1: Well, it's not so much you as the tank and the (laughs) off-tank.
0: Oh, okay, (laughs) dang! So it's not all about me.
1: What's your least favorite thing, Del? Uh,
0: My least favorite is that uh, research reducers uh, don't stack. Uh, I have at this point, Allie, uh, mastered out every spell. There's nothing left for me to research. Uh, So I've been running the solo instance, stockpiling the research reducers in prep for the next expansion. when We're going to get some new levels uh, so I can start reducing those times right away. Uh, so I've got a whole little bag now full of one day, one hour, six hours, 12 hours research reducers, but uh, they don't stack, which is unfortunate, and so they're taking up a lot of space.
1: Not because, even the like-kind ones stack?
0: No, not even the like-kinds because their name is I, – I, I don't have it here in front of me. Their name is Research Reducer, and then in the description it okay, tells right. those ones don't even stack, so I've got them all in separate piles.
1: Well, maybe that's incentive to use them right away.
0: Uh, It will be as soon as I can get to level 93. Absolutely. Uh, So what's your most favorite, Allie?
1: Oh, my most favorite is Knights of the Dead is back. Yes. I'm kind of excited about that, although I haven't had a chance yet to partake at all. Uh, I am hopeful that this year I will finally be able to get to see and hopefully kill the Headless Horseman. I have yet to ever see him.
0: Okay, the times 2 guy.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, hopefully maybe a lot of people have moved on from that content and he'll be up. It's tough because he is a contestant and he's not always up. But I, th- I think that's the exciting part of it, too.
1: I do, too. I just need to get in on a
0: group that's doing it. So what's your favorite thing? Uh, my most favorite uh, is you, Allie, this week. Me? Yes, Aww. it's you because you uh, got off the Guildhall uh, amenity for the shiny guy. Uh, you got a Felwith coin, which is a shiny uh, that goes in the Felwith coin collection which happened to be the last one that I needed. Uh, So you charged me a mere 99 plat for it, which I thought was a a great discounted deal for me. Uh, So I was very happy to complete uh, that collection. You know, as I complained in the past about it, it's not in-game. You can only get it off the gardener. So i got to say thank you very much to Allie.
1: Yeah, and uh, that 99 plat that's in the mail, is it?
0: Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, It's probably going Uh, through Customs.
1: Yes, for the record, I didn't charge Dell anything. I gave (laughs) it to him. I gave him the gift of a century.
0: I'm sure nobody believed the fact that you would charge me. Now, if the story was in reverse, they'd know who would be charging who, absolutely.
1: Uh, Yeah. So I think we'll wrap this episode up with a little, are you smarter than a Delmon? I'm ready. So you have two categories. Uh, big surprise, Medicine for the Soul is okay. still on the table. Good to hear. The other category is Dragons are a girl's best friend.
0: Everybody loves dragons, so I'm going to put medicine back in the cabinet, and let's go out with a dragon.
1: Well, we have a special category, this or a level, I guess. There's Normal Mode, as you know. Yes. There's Challenge Mode, as you know. Yes. But there's now a Medium mode.
0: Uh, I I like dragons so much. I'm gonna go challenge mode on the dragons.
1: Oh wow, this is really hard, though.
0: I'm not afraid.
1: I'm, okay.
0: I'm leaving on a jet plane. So let's let's do this.
1: Name fifteen dragons with level, range, zone, and expansion or patch. Okay. <laughs>
0: wow. All right. Fifteen of them.
1: Fifteen. All right. Would you like to know how many there are total?
0: Uh, When I'm done. Okay. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, so I need... Fifteen. I need 15 dragons. So let's name off 15 dragons, shall we? Okay. All right. Let's say Darathar. Okay. Wushi. Nagafin. Varex. Venacor. Talendor. Harladar, cilentros, Pantrilla, Toxulia, Irene the Broken, Dozakar the Cursed, Hoss, Trankinon, and Nexona. That should be 15 dragons.
1: I think you said Nexona twice, but I could be wrong.
0: Okay. <laughs> now I need levels for all of these?
1: You need a level range, a kind level of an approximate range. and... Uh, You need to tell me the zone and expansion or update. So let's just do this My according to my list.
0: Okay, so let's start with Darathar.
1: Let's start alphabetically with okay. Cyandros.
0: Cyandros will say is level 60. Ish. Ish. Sanctum of Scaleborn and came in with Kingdom of Sky.
1: Yeah, okay. How about Darathar?
0: Darathar was level 50 ish. Ish. Was in the Shattered Lands. And he came in with the original content. He was on the newbie island.
1: Uh, yes. However, that's a, there's a zone here uh, called Darathar's Flight.
0: Okay, Darthar's Flight. Okay. Dozakar. Dozakar. Dozakar the Cursed. Uh, level 92 ish. Uh, Close enough. Came, that's the level kind of that we're fighting him at.
1: Well, he's 100, but he's, that's okay. Is he
0: 100? Okay. Uh, Under Depths. And he came in with uh, Goose Mansion.
1: Yeah. Uh, Irene is next.
0: Irene the Broken, level 90-ish, ish, is in Kraytox, mm-hmm. and came in with DOV.
1: Yep. Harladar.
0: Harladar is level 60-ish? Mm, 70-ish. Se- is it? Okay, 70-ish. Uh, is in. It's either in Temple of Scale or Halls of Seeing. It's 50-50. I'm going to go with Temple of Scale.
1: Uh, technically, but it's, it, it's... Pedestal of the Priestess is her actual zone.
0: Okay. It's, it's, a, it's a sub-instance off it's that a, one. Exactly. And that was Kingdom of Sky.
1: Yeah. Hoshkar?
0: Hoshkar is level 80-ish. Mm-hmm. Lives in VP. Yeah. And came in with Kunark. Yeah. Nagafin? Nagafin. Nagafin is level 100.
1: Ish.
0: Ish. Although I think Nagafin's gone through several level changes. Yeah. Uh, is, came in in the Shadowlands, is in uh, Lava Storm. No, excuse me, is in uh, Eye, of, uh, Eye of Sulcic. Yeah, and Nagafin's Lair, actually. Uh,
1: um, Nagafin's layer, okay. Who's and, counting? Who's
0: counting? Uh, and it's original content.
1: Yeah. Uh, Next
0: Nexoda is 80 VP Kunark.
1: Yeah. Pantrilla.
0: Pantrilla is 70-ish. Temple of Sky Kunark. Uh Kingdom of Sky.
1: Yes. Talendor?
0: Talendor is 60. 70-ish. 70-ish. Okay. Uh Palace of the Awakened, I think.
1: yeah. It's Ascent of the Awakened. Ascent
0: of the awakening It looks, okay, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, Kingdom of Sky. Yeah.
1: Uh, the next one he said was
0: Toxulia, I believe. Toxulia, 90-ish. Uh, Toxulia's Mound, Sentinel's Fate. Yes. Uh, Trachanon. Trachanon, level 80-something-or-odd.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, is actually in Trachanon's Lair, which is off VP. Correct. And is in Kunark.
1: Yeah. Uh, you said Venicor.
0: I did say Venicor. Uh, now, there's two instances of Venicor, uh, but I'm going to take the level 50-ish one in Land of the Lost.
1: Spirits of the Lost.
0: Spirits of the Lost. And now I'm going to say that's like a live update 17-ish or 19-ish or so. Uh,
1: there was one. See, I was somewhere in there. I have no idea which one. Okay. That's correct. Close enough. Uh, there's actually three Ah,
0: but... uh, There's the contested one in... Yeah. Uh the lizard people zone. Uh Lost Temple of Catholic School. All right. And my final dragon, number 15. Well, 50. no, no, no.
1: You missed oh. two. There was two? a
0: Vrooks. Oh, Vrooks. Yep. Uh, I'm sorry. Yep. Level
1: 90.
0: 90- Ish. Ish. Uh Icy Keep Retribution.
1: Yeah.
0: That came in with a game update, I'm gonna say maybe in the fifties.
1: Yeah, good. Fifty six.
0: Fifty six. Yeah. All right. I was gonna go fifty
1: three. And you also said Wooshy.
0: Wushi, level 70, Emerald Halls, and joined us with uh, Echoes of Fadeware.
1: Wow, you you got basically all of it. I'm going to round up a little. Okay. Give it to you, because I have no doubt in my mind that you could name another 15 dragons.
0: Uh, Yeah, once I remember then you could just rattle them off
1: yeah so I'm, I'm gonna give you points for that so okay, cool so technically we win Yeah, uh, but, but, but we do have a couple of extra credits here oh all right uh, one from by the way that was a, a contributed are you smarter question oh courtesy of einstein Fwinger's level two ninety two 92 dirge on unrest
0: I, I've heard of this player, yes.
1: Yes, yes, he, he's listened and um, written in in the past. Yes. Uh, he did provide us with an extra credit question.
0: Okay, uh, oh, bonus a lightning round.
1: Yeah. Uh, name four dragons no longer in game.
0: No longer in game. Uh, dragons that are, I can't imagine why they would take a dragon away from us. Uh, unless they're in zones that like don't exist anymore. But I can't. I well, cannot...
1: that—that's yeah, that's the wrong path. All the all the zones exist.
0: Okay. Dragons that aren't around anymore.
1: I've never heard of any of these dragons.
0: Neither have I. So I'm gonna. I can't think of any. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to pass.
1: So Einstein beats you on the extra credit.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: they are. He has listed uh, Netchiava from the Farat. Okay. Le- level sixty.
0: Never heard of them. Me heard. neither.
1: Or Danek from Antonaga, level thirty.
0: That's the name of the town, if it's related to that.
1: O-R-D-A-N-A-C-H. Oh,
0: nope. Okay.
1: Uh, level 50, dragon in thundering steps, named Futrix, P-H-E-U-T-R-I-X. Nope. Uh level 60 Saviter in Neck Forest. Uh S-A-E-V. Y-T-R.
0: Nope. Haven't heard nope, of that uh, Me
1: neither. No idea. I think he has a, an obsession with dragons. Nothing uh,
0: wrong with that. I'm big I into can't dragons blame
1: him. too. Yeah. It's, it's an impressive matrix he sent me. All right. Impressive. Uh, thank you very much for those contributed, that contributed Are You Smarter question. It inspired me to create another uh, extra credit of my own. Okay. Allie's extra credit. oh it's right. worth 713 million points.
0: Okay. All right.
1: Name a dragon who's known for burninating all the peoples in their thatched roof cottages. He looks like an S and then a more different S. He has one big beefy arm. He has angry eyebrows and wings.
0: What the hell is this? <laughs> I think you can keep your 7 million points. What is the answer to that question?
1: It's strong door. <laughs> oh. Trogdoor, I'll share you a link.
0: All right, I'm
1: recording. I know some people will
0: will appreciate that one. Oh, right <laughs> so it's not a dragon in game.
1: No, it's a dragon, oh. a dragon man to be exact.
0: Well, this show is certainly dragon. So, Allie, do we have anything else for the 53rd episode of the EQ2 Talk Podcast?
1: Actually, we do. We're going to put a full list of the answers to the Dell and Alley contest in the show notes on our website. That's all I wanted to mention.
0: All right. So let's say then thank you to this week's corporate sponsor, the TSA. If you had an iPad, chances are they do now. And I want to say thank you to all the TSA agents who give me the backhanded (laughs) pat-down. If you'd like, you can use the front. I'm okay with that. Allie, if folks want to get in touch with us, how can they?
1: They can send us an email. I'm at Allie at EQ2Talk.com.
0: And I'm Delmon at EQ2Talk.com.
1: They can reach us in game. I'm at EQ2.Unrest.Alicious, A-L-I-S-C-I-O-U-S.
0: And I'm EQ2.Unrest.Delmon, D-E-L-L-M-O-N.
1: They can join our in-game chat channel, eq 2unresteq 2 talk.
0: Or you can follow us over on Facebook, where we are, facebook.com slash EQ2Talk.
1: Or follow us on Twitter, at EQ2Talk.
0: And don't forget to follow Delmon for all your fanfare updates, at Delmon eq 2
1: And it's uh, hashtag SOE Live.
0: Hope to see you at SOE Live, or back here for episode number 54. And say goodnight, Allie. Goodnight, Allie. dragon, oh. but he was still Trogdor, Trogdor, burninating the countryside,
1: burninating the peasants, burninating all the people in the thatched roof cottages!
0: That's thatched roof
1: Uh, we get Introduction
0: to Delma. One take wonder, Allie.
1: You are wonderful. You're wonderful, Del.
0: This is episode number 53, and we are recording on... You okay? <sighs> me, me, mama, moo. Unique New York. Unique <laughs> New York. <laughs>
1: Peanut! Shut it! Shut it! Maybe it's because there's a storm. (laughs) Ow. I have foot cramp. Ow. Mm.
0: I forgot that usually I stuff them under the cushions. I forgot to stuff them under the cushions.
1: Oh, well, I don't know if I want to know what you're stuffing under your cushions, though. Hello. Hey, Dell, you know, we forgot to do something.
0: What's that, Allie?
1: We forgot to give him something, the magic words to say to you at Fanfare.
0: Oh, all right. You're right. What's, so what's our safe word for Fanfare?
1: Joggedor? No, I'm just kidding. How about I listen to EQ2 talk and I'm smarter than a Delmon? Because I'm leaving
0: on a jet plane don't know when I'll
1: be back again. Leaving on a jet
0: plane. <laughs> I don't know when I'll be back again. Leaving on a jet, jet plane. plane.
1: I don't, don't
0: know, know when I'll be back again. again. So, Truman, this is who you found to save the planet.